Hey, welcome to Vine Church Fort Myers podcast. We are glad that you took time to listen. We pray that the message of grace empowers you today. Hosting the presence. I titled this message as Hosting the Presence by the Grace. Before I jump into the word itself, let me prepare the soil of your heart. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. And after we read the word, we're going to pray. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. Not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Bow your heads, close your eyes. Father, we resound the apostolic prayer this morning. We want revelation. Let the eyes of our hearts be open to see and understand and receive wisdom and revelation of your grace. The reason, the source, the fuel of our worship. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen, amen. Now, last week, we ended our message with two stories of two women that were extravagant worshipers. They were shameless to be extravagant, to be radical worshipers to Jesus. One washed Jesus' feet with her tears and dry with her own hair. Another one broke this vessel holding this expensive perfume that even the disciples around said, this is such a waste. And we understood that those women were able to do such expression of worship because they were extravagantly loved by God, limitless, measureless, loved by Jesus. The measure of love, the measure of grace experience will be the measure of worship expression. Are you guys with me? This is so, this proportion is very important. Now, if everything in Christian life starts with grace, it is not different with worship. The more one understands the love of God, His forgiveness and grace, the more one will worship God. All right. What is worship, Pastor? Let's make a brief review of what we had taught so far. What is worship and why we do it? We said that worship is undivided devotion. It's totally focused in attention to God. Worship is more an act of the heart than of lips. So please, for God's sake, don't limit worship to a music genre or to a, a, a harmony temple. Worship is not a 25, 30 minutes moment in a Sunday experience. Please. Worship is an attitude of devotion from the heart. Which, which implies or, or requests a genuine uh, survey of who or what is sitting on the throne of your heart. Just this statement I just did it deserves entire preaching on it. I'm going to say it again. Because 
whatever, whoever is seated on the throne of your heart will determine a lot of what or who you are worshiping. What you are bringing value, importance, devotion to. Is it fame? Money? Worry? No, 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 Pastor. I am very dedicated. I work 24-7. I came to this place, to this country, Pastor, to really work my... I, I can't say these words in, in here in the, the service. I came here, Pastor, and I worked 24-7, Pastor. I am totally dedicated. I am told you don't say this, but I'm I have total, total devotion to my work. Total devotion to my service. Okay, so this shows a little bit what or who is sit on the throne of your heart. Whatever sits there will be worshipped. Okay, maybe you never saw these words in, the, in your Bible, but I, I want to make sure that you have the chance to see that in your Bible. Everybody, use your smartphone. Let's make a good use of it. Let's go to Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. That's a, that's a harsh word, but I have to bring it up. Mainly for us, in the land of the free, in the kingdom of capitalism, in the kingdom of opportunity for everyone, look what Jesus said 2,000 years ago. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted, dedicated, consecrated, set apart, spend my time, energy, family, everything. I have all my resources to the one and despise the other. And Jesus states something very powerful here. He says, you cannot serve God and serve money in the same time. Pastor, I thought the offering time had ended. No, 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 no. It never ends. That's why maybe you don't never realize why here in Vine Church we decided to put the offering tithing moment right after the worship. Because we understand that the giving, the expression of our finances is a continuation of worship expression. Let's go back to the preaching of today. Jesus is saying very clear that what really disputes the position of importance of our hearts, it's only one lower G God. His name is Mammon or Mammon. Or money. It always starts with letter M. It's money. Competing with God. Okay. Uh, uh, so uh, money promises you security. But am I trusting God's safety over my life? Money promises you health. But am I trusting that God can heal me? Oh, money promises a future. But am I trusting that God has a purpose for me that is beyond my own existence? Like, if you notice, everything money promises, God already promised in the Word of God. So it is right to put it like this, compet this competitive aspect about the throne of our hearts. Are you guys understanding this? Now, Jesus used the word serve. Serve to master. Because the word serve, it's serve or fear. They are, in the Old Testament, expressions of worship. Expressions of worship. Let me tell you guys 
an a story that maybe you never saw in your Bible. And while I was preparing this message today, I don't know if this story is going to fit much in this preaching. I'll try. But, you know, sometimes I read the Bible. It's something that I suggest you guys to do. And you're going to find amazing stories there. And this week, this story came to my mind at the end of my preparation for this service. Just like that story, I think it fits here when I said about, when Jesus said that we cannot worship two masters, worship two gods, serve or worship is the same. So if you go with me in 2 Kings, 2 Kings chapter 17, the Bible, it's telling us the reason why the northern king, the northern kingdom, the northern uh, region of Israel was taken by this other nation called Assyria. So just a brief historical background, the, king, the kingdom of Israel was divided in south and north, okay? The south became Judah that eventually formed and gave the people that is later known as Jews. Jews because they came from Judah. They were uh, different from the north because they kept the genealogies. They didn't mix it up with other uh, uh, foreigner nations. However, the northern kingdom um, was taken by this superpower nation called Assyria. And the Assyrians, they had a very particular way to destroy other nations or to conquer other nations. Different than the Persians that actually let the people stay in their land and just like pay taxes. Different than the Babylonians that only were going to export the college uh, degree students to their land and get the wisdom of, their, of the conquered nations. The Assyrians, they were barbarians. They would come and they just mess it up. They says, let's create anarchy. Let's create bar uh, like a, a mess. So these people never will try to insurge against us ever again. So the Assyrians' strategy, uh, while the south was preserved, the north was taken by the Assyrians, and the Assyrians says, I'm going to get everybody here. I'll send a little bit here to Europe. I'm going to send a little bit here to other parts of Asia. I'm going to bring all these people here and place them in areas that they are not acquainted with, and I'm going to bring other foreigner people to live in that area. In, in other words, we're never going to let these people uh, uh, mobilize uh, their intelligence against us ever again. Guys, get it? Got it? What the series did? All right. I brought all these stories so you guys can understand what it says in 2 Kings chapter 17. So the Bible says that some of these new foreigners living in the northern part of Israel start to bring their customs and religions and their lower G gods and deities, and they were worshiping these demons, these idols, in places where it used to be places to worship Jehovah, Yahweh. Our guys follow my story. And it's so crazy because the Bible says that God himself said, no, 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 no. This, I, I, this is a holy land. Like, I, this is a place where my people are supposed to worship me alone. And the Bible says that God allow wild beasts, more specifically lions, to invade the land and eat the people. So imagine yourself going to the favorite McDonald's that you like 
But instead, if you order your Big Mac, you'll become a Big Mac by a lion. Like literally. That's what happened there. And to the point that the representatives or the governors or mayors that were sent to manage these new foreigners living in that area, they sent a letter to the king of Assyria. It says, King, we're having a problem. Like we're being destroyed here by these wild beasts. And the king of Assyria thought, no, maybe it's because we are not worshiping properly the God of this land. And he was a totally pagan guy. So he had a great idea. He says, maybe we should bring back some priests that used to worship in this place. And they will teach you guys how to worship the God of the land. Have you ever seen this story in the Bible? It's there in 2 Kings. Super interesting. And after the priests arrive, only the priests, the wild beasts disappear. Stop to kill people. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, which implies something interesting. When we worship properly, we cast out the wild beasts. Demons can't get closer to those that have a priestly heart, that has a worship heart. Are you guys with me? The enemy cannot prevail where true worship is being expressed to God. However, the people... The foreigners that were living in the land, let's read the text, though, keep reading there, though they worship the Lord, so they learn to worship the Lord, they continue to follow their own lower G gods according to the religious customs and the nations, to the religious, religious customs of the nations from which they came. Next verse. And this is still going on today. They continue to follow their former practices. Instead, everybody say truly. Everybody say truly. Worshiping the Lord. Mm. Pastor, I remember something you preached last week. You preached us in, in John chapter 4 that God is looking, is seeking true worshipers. Which brings me a good definition. What is a false worship here? A false worship, it doesn't mean that, go to the previous verse. It doesn't mean that you don't worship the Lord. You worship the Lord every Sunday. You come here, you know, you enjoy the tune, right? You raise your hands. You like the, the harmony. You like the tempo of the music. You know, you get excited. Then you go low and you feel good about the, the, the but, but there's something else. Next verse. The problem is that you keep, next verse, you keep mixing up. Your heart is divided. Yes, I, I serve God, but also I serve fame. I serve my, my followers in, in social media. I serve my work. I, I worship something else, and I'm not truly worshiping the Lord. Did you guys get what I just said here? We have to fix that, guys. If, if you want to host the presence, we want to fix that. Next verse. Now, the Lord says to these people, worship is about undivided attention. It is about totally dedication and devotion. And God insists, do not worship any other gods or bow before them. Go to verse 39. You must worship only the Lord, your God. He is the one 
who will rescue from all your enemies. So here's the, here, this explains a lot why some people's life is stuck. Like they, they come to church, they, they, they worship God, but it seems the things is always in the lit. There's always a, a, a hindrance there that doesn't let them fly and soar. Because they worship, but they worship dividing their hearts. And again, they, they play this idea in their minds that, but I'm doing my part. I'm coming to the service. You know, I serve the Lord. I worship Him, but you don't truly worship. There are money, fame, attention, worry, work, anxiety, dividing your heart. No, God says, if you worship the Lord your God, undividedly, He is the one who will rescue from all your enemies. I was talking with brothers yesterday about a group of people that we, we know and we, we wish they could be part of our church. We admire their business here in town. They are a blessing for our community. But it seems that their lives doesn't express the fullness of what God intended for, their, for them. They, they call themselves Christians. They call themselves worshipers, but they, it's noticeable there's something wrong with the fullness measure that they could experience. I don't want a vine church be a church that has a lit of the favor that God has set apart for us. I don't want us be limited to receive all the grace God has for us. Are you guys receiving anything here? Now, there's even more danger here that you can even think. It's not only the fact that you are not totally protected. It's not only the fact that you are not completely blessed that matters, which is very important. But there is a generational problem being set here. I was sharing this to the kids' leaders before we start the service. Let's go to verse 40. But the people will not listen and continue to follow their divided worship. They continue to practice that divided heart. Verse 41. So while these new residents worship the Lord, they also worship their idols. And to this day, what is saying there? Their descendants. So don't think that the, the, the problem is going to stop on you. Let's don't think that this is your problem only. You are passing on to the next generation. I met a family, very apparently Christian. They, they dressed themselves for Sunday school. They went to the service every Sunday. They had their weekly activity in the church, right? They have the vocabulary that Christians use, the Christianese language. They knew the songs. They knew the training. They knew, they knew how to perform. But in the same time, they had a divided heart. They had a divided worship in their weekly days, in their lifestyle. And knowing this family very closely, um, what is said is that they, they even bless other people because they worship the Lord. However, the second generation of this family, the children of this family, all of them became the same way. 
They call themselves Christians, but they live a totally godless lifestyle. One decided for homosexualism lifestyle. Another one is esoteric. Esoteric, mystical, just like believes in crystals and energy. And another one keeps going to the church because, again, uh, he learned from the parents. You know, I have to go to the church. You know, but anything that works, I'm open for. It's not only the church. Is there any other, you know, strong prayer someone else can give it to me? But I'm open to, to receive some sort of energy or some sort of, you know. No. So it, it, the next generation practice the same thing. In the first generation, is more subtle, the problem. The first generation of this family that I, that I know, uh, you can see still they have more appearance of Christianity. But the second generation is, the, is decreasing even more the level. Okay, I don't know if I was able to teach you anything about that, but this is the point, guys. Matthew chapter, um, again, uh, texting Matthew, please. No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot... You cannot, can you say this to the close neighbor to you? Say, you cannot, you cannot serve. Tell him or her, say, you cannot worship God and whatever, whatever. But here in America, you can clearly say money, right? Let's be honest. You cannot. All right. We're defining worship because we want to be true worshipers. We worship him because we are his creation. We worship him. Why? Why do I worship him? Because I am the very target of his amazing love. I worship him because I was loved first. I worship him because there is no other place of satisfaction, fulfillment for my life. Now, I worship him because... I was blessed. I was covered by His grace. And let me say something important about worship here too. Is that worship is the only thing that we can genuinely give to God. Think about it. When we pray, we pray so we can talk to God. We give our finances, our tithes and offerings because we will be blessed by God being faithful. We, we listen to a message like that so we can have guidance for the week. But when we worship God, it's all about God. It's all about Him. It's nothing about us. That's why worship must be expressed. Worship... Is a loving expression of gratitude. Like a little child that receives the love of the father. And it's unable to pay back with goods, with performance, with anything else. But only gratitude. This is what we do. Worship is our love expressed to God as a response 
to his grace toward us. And when we think about that, without expression back to this love, the relationship does not endure. Imagine if a husband relies on the vows he made on the altar, the day of the marriage, the wedding day, and thinks that one day I told her that I love her. And in the next 15 years, he doesn't say, I love you, babe. I want you. You are, the, you are my passion. You are the love of my heart. Imagine a husband that ever keeps expressing that love. Where this marriage is going to go to? It's going to be another soccer player, NBA player, divorce guy in five days. Because, again, a loving relationship requires expression. Psalm 34, verse 1. We already passed this verse before. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall be continually, shall continually be in my mouth. Psalm 71, my mouth is filled with your praise and with your glory all day. Verse 14 of the same psalm, but I will hope continually, I will praise you yet more and more. My mouth will tell of your righteous acts. Of your deeds of salvation all the day. For the their number is past my knowledge. So let me encourage this service. Let me encourage you guys. Let us not turn our worship something um, hidden. Disguised. We need expressive worship. That, that includes our body, Romans chapter 12, that includes a living sacrifice that places our hearts there. Now, let me encourage you with this. Pastor, I get that worship has to do with singing to God, but also has to do with my undivided attention. And obviously, it will be expressed in my conduct, in my daily life. But I need to clarify that worship always results in more grace. Let's go to Luke chapter 19, verse 18. Jesus, let me invite you to the church to stand up this morning. It's coming inside of Jerusalem. And people is worshiping Jesus. People is glorifying Jesus. And the religious people said, Master, ask your disciples to stop doing that. They're not supposed to, to do that, to worship you. And Jesus said something very powerful that I want to lay this on your lap this morning. It says that, I tell you, if these were silent, the very stones would cry out. So this is, this is very strong because when we read that in a positive way, we're going to say it's inevitable. God is going to receive praise and worship. But this is also warning for us. If we're not faithful, I don't want to use the word, if we're not grateful is better for not thankful for not loving God 
as the result of this amazing grace He has poured over our lives, which is hard to translate because some of you guys don't see grace in your life. You don't see your spouse as an expression of grace. You don't see your kids. You don't see the fact that you can breathe in and breathe out an expression of grace. You don't see the, the grace that God gives us to worship Him in freedom in this nation. You don't see this. So it's hard. So that's why we're going to pass the rest of our time in Vine Church teaching you about grace. Because it's, the grace is the fuel of worship. But if you don't get it, if again you take it for granted... If we as a church think that this is that worship God is just again a religious thing that I do it, I don't take it as a privilege, as an honorary thing. Let me say something. God will pass from us. Jesus Christ. I don't want to God pass from us. I don't want to God give the rocks, the stones. The privilege is supposed to be my privilege. I don't want to God give. I don't want to God give to the rocks, to the stones in the road what only He gave me to do. This honor and this privilege. So it's better we get ourselves, you know, uncomfortable with our, you know, with, with our inertia, liturgic, dormant expressions of worship. It's better we come back again to the heart of worship. Let us come back again to those moments where we were shameless to raise our hands. We were, we were free to move our bodies and not only sing, but really present our bodies as living sacrifice before God. Let us again bring it, the principles, the disciplines that, that brings worship in our daily lives. Let us be those that not only sing about God, but really, truly worship Him undividedly.